0: We're so honored you're here. We're going to stand together for the reading of the word of the Lord. On the screen, you're going to see a passage out of the book of Isaiah chapter 19. I just want to show this verse, not in the context of the verse, but the phrase that's used in this verse. And I want to look at the phrase that's used of Jesus here. And I want to take notice of it because Isaiah chapter 19, it focuses on the title of Jesus. And I want to give in the next two Sundays three things out of this title that it gives about Jesus's name. It says, it will become a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts and in the land of Egypt. For they will cry to the Lord because of oppressors. And he will send them a savior and a champion. And he will deliver them. We know the Lord as the king. We know him as Emmanuel. We know him as a lot of different names, but today we're gonna experience him as a champion. Do you know you have a champion that lives on the inside of you? And that champion wants you to have his God-given reflexes. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today, having champion reflexes because he lives on the inside. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. We're trusting you to give us those godly champion reflexes in our day-to-day life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord one more hand clap before you sit down today? Thank you, worship team. You did a wonderful job, all services. Would you give the worship team one more round of applause? Thank you, worship team. Now, I think about what it means to be a champion. There's something that is attractive about a winner. Everybody likes a winner, and everybody wants to be a winner. But so few people in life can stand in that winner circle. Why? There is a price to pay to be a winner. There's a price to pay to to be a champion. I've learned dealing with professional athletes and champions that champions are different than other people. The reason why I say that, because champions focus on what they're going to. Losers focus on what they're going to through. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him, meaning Jesus, he endured the cross. What was he looking at? He was looking at the end result. He wasn't looking at the pain. He was looking at the finished work of the promise. He wasn't looking at enduring the pain of the cross. He was looking at the finished work of Calvary that you and I can have full access because he is the ultimate champion. And losers focus on what they're going through. But winners focus on what they're going to. And I believe that champions are not made in the ring. They are just recognized in the ring. Because a real champion is not made in a day. A real champion is made in the dailies, the day-to-day discipline. That's what a champion is made of, the day-to-day life of of doing those little things that may not seem like they're a lot in the day-to-days, but at the end of it, the cumulative effect of it, you become a champion. It's the day-to-days that make the difference. It's when we honor the Lord and know day-to-day of of doing what's right, even though nobody's looking. That's the result of a champion reflex. It's the daily things as people that love the Lord that give us that hunger. But it's the discipline of God in our day-to-days to help us keep that hunger. Because I believe that everything in life, anything that's of value in a life, has to have everyday maintenance. In other words, anything of value in your life, anything of value in my life, it calls for everyday maintenance. That goes from our teeth to our marriages. It calls for us to have daily discipline because without daily discipline, nothing changes. As a matter of fact, people want a quick fix for a result that takes day-to-day operations, but nothing changes in life until we do. And when we realize the day-to-day is what makes the difference, it's those moments in time when we get into the ring that our champion reflexes kick in and we can knock out the adversary and become victorious each and every time. Wouldn't it be great when you're going through a difficult week or have a, a difficult Monday on the commute or at work or just things don't go your way throughout the week. Wouldn't it be awesome to to bring the worship team with you? So guess what? You're like you're at work and you know it's not going very well and you're like, worship team would you please come? <laughs> and all of a sudden the worship team comes and they just bust it out and you know, I will and, and all of a sudden your hands are lifted up at work, the atmosphere changes. But unfortunately that's not reality. You have to go to work. You have to go do what you need to do. You got to go take care of those kids. You've got something to do. That's not real. Some of you at the sound of my voice, go home to very difficult situations. As a matter of fact, and you're coming, you're becoming a champion, not because of what happened to you, but because of what's happening to you, you're having the right reflexes because you're learning in the day-to-days how to have a champion reflex. When you're speaking about champion reflexes, it's the day-to-day where you kick into that gear, where you learn the habit of what it takes to be a champion. Do you know habits can be formed, but also habits can be broken. In three to six weeks, they tell us that a bad habit can be exchanged by a good one. In other words, you can have a good champion reflex and not have an Eeyore reflex. You ever heard of Eeyore? He's Winnie the Pooh's friend. He's got a bad disposition. Everything is sour. Everything is downcast. Nothing's ever good enough. Eeyore spirit conquers so many people and they don't even realize it. Eeyore spirit goes like this. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go out in the garden and eat worms. Nothing. There's always a fly in the ointment. See, that's not a reflex of a champion. That's an Eeyore spirit. But a reflex of a champion driving down the freeway and there's an accident. You kick into intercession. That's the that's the reflex of a champion. You're praying for those who are affected in that accident. You're praying for the EMT, the responders. You're doing your job. You may not be on the scene, but you're lifting it above the scene to an almighty God. That's the champion's reflex speaking about it having a bad reflex years ago. This was many years ago. I just want to preference this by saying this was a long time ago. I was driving here in Stockton and some guy cut me off in traffic. And it's one thing to be cut off in traffic, but this guy cut me off with an attitude. I mean, he cut me off. I had to squeal, hit the brakes, and he cut me off. And then he kind of looked back at me and acted like it was my fault. And then I kind of lost my uh, disposition. I I I was like, oh no, you didn't. And I'm thinking, don't this dude know that I carry guns, Smith and Wesson? Doesn't he know I'm the Yak Attack? I'm the Big Mac. Doesn't he realize? And I started to get a bad disposition. What happened? I had the wrong reflex. My reflex was anger, and I had to have the Lord deep down inside. Now, mind you, this was some time ago. I had to have the Lord instruct me to say, you should be praying for them, not getting in an altercation with them. You see, that's the that's a reflex and sometimes we have the wrong reflex when things don't go our way. We get cut off in traffic or a promise doesn't come through in the time in which we want it or a children is wayward or things don't go our way, we have the wrong reflex. But I'm here today to tell us that we can have a champion's reflex. Even if we've been cut off in traffic and the instinct is to give them a one-way backslidden peace line, but instead we give them the prayer sign. We're like, "I'm praying for you, sucker." I have A champion reflex. That's the issue. That's what many people do when worship starts. You ever see people when the countdown comes? I like watching them and they'll be talking, especially women. Oh, look at your shoes. Oh, I can't believe you look so good. Oh, look at that. And all of a sudden the countdown hits, the music comes on. It goes from boom, start to worship. Why? The champion reflex has kicked in. They know this is time for worship. It's time to honor God. See, that's having the champion reflex. That makes all the difference in the world. It's automatic response. I read the story years ago about a man by the name of Larry Bird. Larry Bird was an Indiana boy, but he was a a world-class player on the Boston Celtics back in the day. Larry Bird was known for in the clutch of the game, bring in Larry Bird, let him shoot the free throw, and he will make the basket every time. He was a clutch player. He knew that under stress, call the Birdman out, he can make the basket. But what many people didn't realize, Larry Bird as a little boy, he would every morning before school, he would shoot 500 free throws every day before he went to school. 500 times each and every day. So it began to be a reflex to him to be successful. That's why one of my favorite books in the book of Acts is Acts chapter 3. It's the day after Pentecost. Acts chapter 3 shows up and it's after the experience of Acts chapter 2. What many people don't realize is Acts chapter 2 really begins in Exodus chapter 19. 50 days after God delivered Israel out of bondage and they're into the promised land going through the way of the wilderness, God brings them to a mountain. And when he brings them to the mountain, God begins to show them his power. Moses goes up to the mountain and tongues of forked fire come off the mountain, bathing tongues of fire. There's the blasting of trumpets, there's sounds. It's the first day of Pentecost in the scripture. As a matter of fact, The Bible tells us in Exodus 19 that you couldn't go around the mountain because anybody who touches the mountain would surely die. And at that moment, God gave them the first day of Pentecost as recorded in scripture. But it was a forerunner for the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when God would give supernatural power to the New Testament church. In Pentecost, the first time, he killed 3,000 people because they got too close to the mountain. But in Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people get saved because of this amazing encounter from God clothed in tongues of fire. Do you know it was 50 days after they came out of Egypt's bondage that they were at the mountain in Exodus 19. And it was 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead that they were in the upper room to experience Acts chapter two. Why is that important? Because God and his exact God, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's on time every time he knows what to do. So Acts chapter two happens There's there's 120 people in the upper room. Why 120? Because there are 10 tribes of Israel and 10 or excuse me, 12 tribes of Israel and 10 represent an official prayer meeting that would be called kosher. And they had 12 tribes, 10 represented each tribe, gets the 120 in the upper room. They represented the entire body of the Old Testament. Take that to Acts chapter 2. These these are cloven tongues of fire, no longer the tablets of stone written on the... The stone tablets, the the commandments of God, I should say, are written on the stone tablets out of Exodus 19. Now the commandments of God are written on the hearts of flesh, according to the Apostle Paul's writing. So what I'm telling you is the power of Acts chapter 2 is an amazing experience for the New Testament church. Now think about this. In the Old Testament, You could be around the prophets. You could see Elijah call fire from heaven. If you were lucky, you can see Ezekiel and Daniel and all the other prophets do their God thing. That was in the Old Testament. In the ministry of Jesus, you could be around him. You can see him touch the leper. If you were fortunate enough, you could see him turn the loaves and the fishes to feed the multitudes and supernaturally provide. But only until we get into the upper room do we have the biblical right to say, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Because now the Holy Spirit lives in us and we have that supernatural power, that same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's a great experience. Do you know when you give your life to the Lord, all you have to do is believe? The Bible says, as we stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears our voice, we'll come in. That's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Everything you need has been deposited at your salvation when you believed in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 is for you to experience at any moment you would like. You just have to believe. It's already been established. So there's something about an experience with God. It changes things. I'll never forget in May 18th, 1997. I had an experience I've never been to church before I wasn't raised in church I had no religious upbringing and I was invited to a church service on a Sunday night and the power of the Spirit of God just got a hold of my heart got a hold of my mind and touched me and I was forever changed I had an experience with God that I was forever changed and altered never underestimate the power of an experience a man a woman with an argument is at no mercy with a person with an experience when you experience God and his amazing power all the gifts of grace sometimes we tagline this to think you've got to be this and you got to do that for you to experience the grace gifts of God the power of God that's simply not true friend all you have to do is believe and everything has already been established because of the finished works of Calvary the champion has already made a way where there seems to be no way. So in other words, you can experience God as much or as little as you would like to. It's up to you. And an experience with God is amazing. But what I love about Acts chapter three, Acts chapter three is after the upper room experience. Acts chapter three, they had this amazing encounter in Acts chapter two. But in Acts chapter three, now Peter and John were going up to the temple, which was the ninth hour. And I love this, the hour of prayer means it was monday morning it was the next day acts 2 shows up the holy spirit falls there's all this power the infilling of the spirit cloven tongues of fire what happened in exodus 19 has now happened 50 days after jesus rose from the dead in acts chapter 2 acts Three shows up, and it's Monday morning, and they go back to the routine. They go back to the temple. They go back to the place of prayer. I think that's important, which means it was the normal time. It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They went there for their devotion. That means Pentecost did not shut down their daily discipline. According to what I've read today and what I've studied throughout the years, it's the very next day. That's when you get up from a forever experience of being changed and an encounter with God. You always have an Acts chapter three. That's what's important because the Acts chapter three is Monday. The Acts chapter three is what you do when you get up for the commute. The Acts chapter three is what we get to experience when we leave these encounters like Sunday morning but I love that because just because it happens on Sunday with an experience, you get to go back home. But the beautiful thing about the upper room is you don't go home alone. He goes with you and you have the biblical right to take him with you everywhere you go. I love Ephesians chapter one, verse one, because it says to the church of Christ in Ephesus, to the church of Christ in Ephesus, what many people don't realize that the the Ephesus city in the first century was wicked. It was vile. There was full of paganisms and all this crazy stuff. These, these gods and goddesses were worshiped and these idols were all over the city. Prostitution. It was crazy. But the Bible says to all those who are in Ephesus, no, it says to the church of Christ in Ephesus. That means you can be in Ephesus and still be in Christ. Just because you may live somewhere geographically doesn't affect who you are spiritually. Isaiah 45, 22 says, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Now the ends of the earth, friends, are not talking about people geographically removed from God. It's talking about people spiritually removed from God. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. That means the prodigal, the down and out, the wayward child, the person that's got it established, has many things going in their life, no matter what. Look unto me and be saved. That means no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation you're in, it doesn't matter where you are at geographically. It only matters where you are spiritually, which means you can be in Stockton or Beirut, and it does not matter. As long as you're in Christ, you've got the wonderful encounters with God. So you can be in Christ and still be in a difficult situation. You can be in Christ and have the most difficult time, but still be at peace with God. But if you're not in Christ, friend, hear me today, you can live in the most peaceful, beautiful, tropical place on the planet and still have no peace or no joy. You've got to be in Christ. And when you be a person that's in Christ, you live places that may not be geographically well, but you don't let your your circumstances dictate to you, you dictate to your circumstances. That's important to know daily. Do you know the longest sports ovation in history is 22 minutes? The longest longest standing ovation in sports history was 22 minutes. How many know that's a long time for a standing O? This standing ovation that lasted 22 minutes, when I read that trivia, I thought to myself, it has to be the world's fastest runner like a minute Bowl, but it wasn't. Then I thought, it has to be the power hitter, like an Albert Pujols, but it wasn't. I thought to myself, it has to be a world-class quarterback, and then I thought, it can't be anybody on the Raiders or the 49ers. So it has to be a Tom Brady, but it wasn't. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. This standing ovation that lasted 22 minutes was from a person who wasn't the fastest, who didn't hit the home run ball, who didn't throw for the touchdown passes. It was simply a man who just showed up to work every day for over 2,100 games. His name was Cal Ripken. He broke Lou Garrett's record just because he showed up. He was not a home run champion. He just kept Kept showing up every day. And I think that's a spiritual thing. When you keep just showing up every day as a faithful employee, as a faithful spouse, as a faithful parent, when you show up to the house of God, even though it's been some difficulties, when you show up, I believe God shows up and that makes all the difference in the world. It's the champion's reflex, it deals with the dailies. The champion deals with The specifics I think that's important because in the Bible there's this there's this prelude of these encounters and visitations one of them is John the Baptist how he's conceived he's conceived out of a an older parent a a husband and a wife who are older in their years and they had no chance for a child to be born their names was Zachariah and Elizabeth John the Baptist's parents. The others were Joseph and Mary. There was no way they were going to have a visitation. The Bible says in Luke 1, verse 8 and 9, that these parents of John, in verse 7, it said they had no child, speaking of Elizabeth. She was barren. And John's, that was John's mother. And both, the Bible says, were advanced in years. But verse 8 says something amazing. Verse 8 says, while he was performing his priestly duty, serving before the Lord... I love that part because it says at the appointed order of his division. It just simply means he was on the list. He was on the list. It was time for him to show up in the dailies. And because he had a champion's reflex, he went to to perform his priestly duty that day. He showed up, the spirit didn't lead him to do it. He didn't have any unction from the spirit. He just showed up. And verse nine said, according to the priestly custom, they chose lots that day and he was picked. And verse 11 said, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right hand of the altar of incense and began to tell him your petition has been Isn't that an amazing thing? Here's a guy, he's believing for a promise with his wife. They're older, she's barren, and he just shows up because he's on the list. And he gets a visitation from an angel of God, and God tells the angel, you tell them, I heard his petition, and I'm granting it. And here comes John the Baptist. Can I tell you, friends, some of you that are faithful unto God and faithful at work, it makes you available to God faithfulness makes us available to God some of you need to stay at peace stay at rest because you have a baby with your name on it you have provision with your name on it you've been faithful you've got healing with your name on it you've got you've got reconciliation with their family because you've been faithful you have to realize faithfulness is what makes us available to God I love the book of Psalms because it talks about faithfulness and it talks about the heroes of the land When you and I think of heroes, we certainly think of our military strong men and women. Some people will think of heroes being athletes, sports stars, rap stars, singers, musicians, etc. But can I tell you who God says are the heroes? The Bible says the heroes of God are the faithful of the land. That means men and women who just show up every day. They show up and take care of those kids. They show up and go to work on Monday morning. They show up. God says, those are my heroes. They're the faithful of the land. I am going to grant them their petition because they've been faithful in their day-to-day operation. When you're faithful in the little things, God will make you ruler over many things. That's why it's so important, friends, to stay faithful because God might just show up the day you show up. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap today? Is there faithfulness inside of you? Because when there is, God says, that's my hero. That's my hero, those who have faithfulness. Every person that gives and honors God, it may go unseen to man, but it doesn't go unseen to God. God sees that faithful, and it makes you available for prosperity. And friends, when you make yourself available to God, God begins to show up on your behalf. The Bible says, if you honor me, I'll honor you. God wants you to know your faithfulness brings him honor and you become God's hero of the land. And I believe that the level of our relationships are based upon our availability. The level of our relationships are based upon our availability. Are you available? Who makes themselves available to God? God makes themselves available to them. Do you make yourself available to others? You know when you want to make yourself available, you'll do it in sections. In other words, if people want limited access to you, if you're at a workplace or have certain things, you'll say, well, call my office line. I know that happens here. People say, pastor, I want to get in touch with you. We need to set a meeting. I say, well, call the office line. And I, I give them the office number because that's, that's limited, that's controlled. And those of you that are old school, you, if, if you want to give them a little more access to you, you'll say, no, don't call the office. Here's my house number. You know, those, those landlines. I told Jennifer the other day, I said, we really need a house line. She's like, how old are you? Nobody has house lines anymore. I'm like, we need, a, what if those cell phones don't work? It's like, okay, but that means if you you have a little more access to us, you can call the office or you can call the house line when I get one. You can call that. That's that house line. But if I really like you and I really want you to have access to me, I'll give you my cell phone number, 209-915-42. That means you can call me at any time. Because of my availability and my relationships with my wife, Jennifer, do you know she can call me at any time, no matter if I'm in a meeting or whatever, if that phone rings and I see on there that special ring and that beautiful face comes up on the screen, you know what I do? I stop what I'm doing. I go, hello, baby girl. What you need? Daddy got it. (laughs) That's gross. I'm sorry. (laughs) but it's because she has access to me because I've made myself available. You see, whoever makes themselves available to God, God makes available to them. You see, God, can you talk to me not just on Sundays, but can God talk to you every day? Speak to my heart, Lord. And some people only give God limited access. Sundays are the specific speaker that they like and if the bald guy don't talk about it, then I guess I ain't got to live it. And that's limited access. That's like calling the office line. That's like calling the, the, the house line that has an answer machine that's old school that you can erase and delete. And some people only give access to certain things. But if you wait for the person or the preacher, in a, that's never going to give you full access. You've got to learn to live by the conviction of the Spirit and giving God Full access to your life. But it's difficult to give full access when you've been hurt. It's difficult to give full access to God or anyone else when you've been betrayed. It's difficult to give full access when you've been neglected or rejected. It is difficult to give God access when you have trauma or calamities in your life but God wants the good. He wants the bad. He wants the ugly. He wants every part of you. He says, you're to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. See, that's so important. You got to love God with all your soul. Many of you do that. I know you do, or you wouldn't be here. You love the Lord with your body. I know that, or you wouldn't be here. But how about the mind, how you see yourself, how you respond and reflex when adversity comes, how you respond when difficulty comes, when you get cut off, if you will, from the promises of God. Do you have that champion's reflex? Do you have it? That means God speak to me anytime and I'll respond to it. Our spiritual cell phone is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're not to give God office lines that we put it on Sunday and the rest of the week. It's off. faithfulness makes us available to God. That's why doing the simple things every single day prepares us for battle. I don't get prepared for battle in the ring. I get prepared in the battle by each and every day learning, training, discipline. If you don't work out, how many know you get in the boxing ring for a fight, you're going to get your head knocked off. You've got to be prepared before you get in the boxing ring. It's like the man who gets ready to get into the boxing ring to fight, and he always backs up. You ever watch those fighters, and they, they do the sign of the cross before they fight? And little boy turns to his daddy and says, daddy, will that help him? And the dad says, if he knows how to box, it will. You got to know how to box before you get into the ring. And God's saying to you today, I have Acts chapter two for you. I've got experiences for you. But I don't want you to stay in that experience. I want you to take that experience and go to Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three, if we can put it back on the screen, I want you to look at it and we'll close. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And there was a certain lame man from his mother's womb who was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called beautiful. So here this man is, who was crippled from birth, had been laid there daily, asking, the Bible says, For money, that's what alms means. It means money. Asking for money to people that were entering the temple. And here comes Peter and John. They're about to go into the temple. And the lame man did what he did every day. How many days did Peter and John tell that man, no, thank you, I don't have anything to give. How many days went by that Peter and John go up to that day-to-day prayer time? but they didn't have the experience of Acts chapter 2. But because they became faithful in the little things, and they had this amazing encounter in the big thing. Here comes the lame man, once again asking for something. No longer did they get rejection from these men. Now they get full access. And he says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give unto you. And I love what the scriptures say, fixing their eyes on Peter and John. And they said, look at us. Acts chapter 2 is for you to experience God. But Acts chapter 3 is for them to look at you. And they want what you have in experience with God. Acts 2 is amazing. But God wants you to have an experience of Acts 2. So you can live in the day-to-day champion reflex of Acts chapter 3. Because people are counting on you. There are people all in your sphere of influence who need what you got. In the book of Revelation, it tells us that Jesus Christ holds the candlesticks. And the candlesticks represent the church. And the one who holds the church is Jesus. He holds the candlesticks. Can I tell you, friends, that you and I are the church, his beloved bride, not a building that we've come into today. These buildings change as the church is growing and we're getting ready to move out of here. The building is not a church. you got to get that religious sin, sin thought process out of your mind. A building never represents the church. The people represent the church. And when you and I realize that we represent his beloved bride, he holds us in this palm of his hand. He calls it the candlestick. The candlestick is used for light. And in people, when they see you, the wonderful candlestick of God's light. Can I tell you, friends, when you live in the day-to-day discipline and have a champion reflex, they will see you glorify your good works, but honor your Father, which is in heaven. What happens? They'll look at you because of Acts chapter 3. Can I... Can I get us to leave today with an Acts chapter 3 mentality? Acts 2 is amazing. Many of you need to experience more of Acts chapter 2 in your day-to-day life with the experiences of God, but they're not given for you to be dormant and bless me and mine and us for no more. They're not given for that at all. These experiences are given for you to live out Acts chapter 3. So people will look at you and want what you have because if they look at that candlestick and they like what they see, they'll look a little further and see the one who's holding the candlestick. They'll see Jesus. Friends, people need to like what they see in you and I. And I want them to see a champion. He lives on the inside of you. Let the reflex of the champion come alive. Don't have an Eeyore spirit, but I'm talking to people with a champion's reflex. Reflex that have a spirit of the champion who lives on the inside of them, the hope of glory that will live every day in a wonderful preparation because they've been faithful to let people look at them and see the God who is holding them. You receive that word today?